What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ivins, joined, as always, by David Lake. David, you sound a little under the weather today. Hope everything's all right. Yeah, just dealing with a little cold. Um, you know, kids are in daycare. I think they brought something home. Don't think it's anything serious, so got to say that, I guess. But yeah, just a little cold and I'm pretty much on the the good side of it, getting better. So if I sound a little sick, it's because I'm dealing with a little cold. I apologize, but, you know, I, I play hurt. So let's go. <laughs> well, I guess we should kind of get into uh, exactly um, along, not sick-related, but, but health-related health terms. Uh, reports Thursday that the Miami Hurricanes have – kind of shut down, or I shouldn't say kind of, they have shut down uh, the mandatory workouts that have been taking place. That's because um, three people have tested positive for the novel coronavirus, or I should say three players. Um, David, to me, this was kind of inevitable, and I guess we should credit, you know, credit the reporting to the folks yeah. at the Miami Herald. I mean, uh, I think it was Barry Jackson that put it out there. So uh, I, I don't, I mean, is this a big deal? Yes, but I mean, this isn't surprising in any way to me. Yeah, I think, you know, just the reality of what we're dealing with and, you know, the circumstances we're living in these days, uh, I agree this was somewhat inevitable. Um, I think, you know, look, I'm not trying to downplay it. It's obviously not a good thing that anyone would get uh, the, the coronavirus and hopefully, you know, whoever did contract it is, is asymptomatic and going to be fine, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, look, Miami-Dade County right now is a hotspot for this disease. Uh, the state of Florida is, you know, one of the epicenters in the world for this disease. So it's, it's going to be something that's, that's hard to avoid. I think overall it's a good sign that the team, you know, honestly, it's been this it's taken this long for someone to test positive. You know, we've seen for weeks now, other programs around the country have, you know, report positive cases. Uh, you know, so Miami was one of the, the last ones. I think that shows that maybe the team is taking it seriously. The program is taking it seriously with the protocols they have in place. Um, and like I said, hopefully, you know, whoever did contract it, it's, it's, you know, a minor deal for them and the program can, can move forward, you know, whatever that means. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, really the update there, uh, I'm assuming they'll still be able to do some type of involuntary workouts for maybe those that aren't in, in quarantine. And I'm just going to say probably, you know, depending on whatever you're listening to this, just, just check the site, miami.247sports.com. Um, and I'm sure it's a developing story, but that kind of came out right before we um, hit record uh, on this. Uh, David, what I really wanted to get into is we are in one of my favorite parts of the calendar year, uh, what I like to call watch list season. Um, I'm, I'm just kidding. It's not really yeah. one of my favorite parts. But uh, these the past few days, the next couple of days, are, are when the College Football Award watch lists come out. Um, they're usually pretty deep. Uh, in terms of a lot of players on those lists in Miami, it seems like every year has multiple guys um, uh, recognized by, by different, 
different folk, uh, different people who, who constructs, construct these lists. But as I was going through, uh, I kind of noticed, you know, Miami for as storied as this program has been, hasn't had a major award winner since 2003 when Kellen Winslow won the John Mackey award. And that goes to the nation's yeah. top tight end. I mean, it's, is that surprising to you, uh, or, or not? Um, not, I wouldn't say surprising. I think there's been, you know, you name the Mackey Award. I think there's been some years where you could argue that, a, a, you know, a guy maybe should have won the Mackey Award one of those years. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, winning awards is hard. And honestly, you mentioned since 2003. Quite frankly, that was the last time Miami was consistently a good program. And to win these awards... It, you not only have to be a good player, you, you pretty much have to be on a good team. And, right. and, you know, Miami's team has not been good aside from, you know, that one magical 2017 season uh, when they won 10 games, Miami really hasn't been all that good as a team. So, but yeah, let, let's get into some of the guys who we think are on the awards list or. Right. So I, I guess my thing is, um, you know, I think there's maybe a good chance that assuming Miami has a good season, albeit it's probably going to be abbreviated, it could be in the spring. I mean, whatever 2020 season takes place, uh, assuming it's Greg Russo doesn't like decide to sit out, and I don't think he would do that. You know, he's going to be up for some of these awards, and, I, and we've talked about this in the past. You know, there's enough hype around him where I think if Miami has a good season – there's a legitimate chance he could um, kind of take one of these the, these home. And uh, you, you mentioned needing to have a good year. Let's not forget last year, Brevin Jordan was uh, a, a semifinalist for, for the Mackey Award, and he didn't even end up really playing towards the tail end of the season. So, right. um, you know, Miami's, I, I think, close. And the one guy is Greg Russo, but you also got to talk about De'Eric King. I mean – yeah. He has Heisman odds. He was on the Davey O'Brien watch list. That, that's the award for the best college football quarterback. 30 players are on it. Um, he hasn't even took a snap for Miami and he made it. So, Yes. He's, he's, one, he's one to track. Yeah, I think, you know, you mentioned it. The first key, you got to win games. I mean, if you look back even to last year with Greg Rousseau, I think you could say – I think it's fair to say nationally, you know, nobody really knew what Greg Russo was doing last season, you know, racking up 15 and a half sacks as a redshirt freshman, simply because, you know, by the end of that season, Miami wasn't very good. And when you're not very good, you're not going to be on a lot of people's radars. Um, but going into this season, he's certainly – has accumulated a lot of NFL draft hype, uh, a lot of draft buzz. So he is, you know, part of part of winning these awards is being on the minds of voters and just that name recognition before the season starts. That's a huge part of it. And then also you got to back it up with your stats and then you got to be on a good team. So, you know, you and I have talked about how you know, assuming it is a traditional 12-game schedule, which who knows at this point, if Miami wins 10 games uh, and if Greg Rousseau has similar stats to what he did last year, 
I don't see why he can't, you know, I think he's got it. The Bednarik Award, which is like the defensive player award. I think you're looking at Greg Rousseau as a early front runner. I think his biggest competition would be Micah Parsons, the, you know, do it all linebacker at Penn State who, you know, can rush the passer is a stud run stopper can cover just an absolute freak. Um, You know, I think both those, both those guys are going to be potentially on good teams. And so I think that's kind of the early, if you're handicapping it, head-to-head battle for that award. You mentioned the Mackey Award. Um, you know, Brevin Jordan's in the mix there too. He's a guy right. who I think he's, he's a bubble first-round pick, uh, you know, at this stage, uh, you know, the early, early NFL draft hype and, and buzz. I, I would say probably his top competition in terms of who's getting a bunch of hype already in the preseason amongst the tight ends. It's, it's Florida's Kyle Pitts and another Penn State guy, uh, tight end Pat Fryermuth. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you and I have talked about in this offense, it's going to be tight end friendly in terms of like putting up big stats. So I think if the, the only concern uh, with Brevin, I think in both of our opinions, is main, mainly health. Right. He's only right. played nine games in each of these seasons. So if he plays a full season, I don't think there's, there's any reason why he won't produce at a very, very high level. And, you know, that's essentially all it takes to win the Mackey Award. Uh, I, I don't think that's necessarily an award where you have to be on a winning team, but certainly it would be a bonus. Yeah. And then you, you mentioned Derek King. You know, let's be real. I think that's going to be tough just because the hype and buzz around both Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, I think that's going to be hard to overcome. Uh, But if De'Ara King, you know, his addition to Miami kind of single-handedly elevates the Hurricanes into being a top 10, top 15-ish type team this year, then he will certainly be in the mix for those awards too. But, you know, that's more of a, a wait-and-see type situation, in my opinion. Um, I, I wanted to pick your kind of brain on this. You know, everyone wants to talk about is is the U back or, or what does the U have to do to get no. back? Um, you know, is it draft picks or, or whatnot? I, I think if Miami were – or if Greg Russo were to win one of these awards – it would definitely be a step in the right direction, correct? I think so. I mean, because like we've both said, Greg Rousseau isn't going to win that Bidneric Award without Miami winning big as well. So right. it would be an indication that Miami won big and has top, top talent at the same time. So, it, yeah, I agree. It, and I've also pointed out, I think, and, you know, recruiting is just getting weirder and weirder by the day, just – um, given kind of the state of things. But I think if, if they were able to, uh, Greg was able to do that, it would be monster for them because it would show all these yeah. local recruits that like, look, you can stay home and you can, you know, be on that, that national spotlight. And even if Greg were to go in the first round, I just think Miami is, is really going to hammer that home. And, you know, I was talking to one of Miami's top targets, like uh, actually this morning before we, we taped this, uh, and, and he just brought up like Greg Russo and, and like you yeah. just talk to different kids. And I think 
I think that's absolutely huge. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Um, I, I was going down the rest of the, the list. I don't really like the Outland Trophy. That goes to the best interior lineman. I, I guess maybe Corey Gaynor could be on that that list. Butkus Awards, top linebacker. Maybe Zach McLeod. I mean, I don't think they're realistic yeah. candidates. Uh, you know, the special teams guys, maybe they one of those guys has a monster year and, and gets the Groza or, or the Ray guy. But it seems like if, if Miami's going to get one, it, it's probably going to be Greg or um, – Brevin. Brevin Jordan, and then I guess you got to mention Qu- Quincy Roche. You know, he he he, yeah. he too uh, had a monster season at Temple. Yeah, no, Quincy's Quincy's definitely in the mix too. Um, you know, I think with Quincy though, like I I think you and I both believe he will be an impactful player at Miami. It's just a matter of how much, right? So making that jump from Group of Five to Power Five is is you know still going to be an adjustment for him. I think he'll be okay with it, but. You know, is he is he going to be as dominant as he was at Temple? We'll see. If he is, then yeah, he's he's definitely going to be in the mix for some awards as well. Anything else you want to touch on uh, with the team before we take a quick break and then talk probably what everyone wants to to hear about? Well, let's let's talk about. So this was maybe one of the more popular questions that we would get on the message boards, right? Has Telly Lockett? Oh my gosh! Yes. The former Florida State tight ends coach uh, is is he officially on Miami's staff? Right. So let's go through the timeline. You know, I think February first of this year, it was reported first by I believe Bruce Feldman that Telly Lockett would be joining Miami's football staff as an offensive analyst. Um, that was February first again. So. You know, these hirings take time um, for whatever reason. The first week of spring football happens the first week of March. And at the end of that week, the media asked uh, Manny Diaz, you know, is Telly Lockett officially hired yet? Manny Diaz said, uh, you know, not officially, but it is on the way of being official. So it was in the process. And we will be super excited whenever it is official. Uh, So then the team went on spring break and the pandemic shut down sports. And so, you know, for that reason, this, this whole thing was kind of up in the air as to, okay, is Miami going to hire anyone during that type of situation? Did the hire get in before the shutdown, et cetera, et cetera. I was told, you know, basically, yeah, he was hired in March, maybe even possibly during that spring break time. Um, He is an offensive analyst. And, you know, I think maybe the fans blow this up bigger than it really is. Like, I do think it's important. I do think it matters. Um, But, you know, I think some fans attribute some of Miami's recent recruiting success to, you know, having a guy like Telly Lockett on the staff. No doubt it matters somewhat, but I think it's more so the recruiting staffers of, you know, DVD or DeMarcus Van Dyke, Coach Cooney, and um, Evan Pata. Coach Pata, yeah. So, you know, I think those guys are doing the bulk of the work. Now, having a a guy like Telly Lockett, who no doubt has connections all over, you know, North Miami-Dade County, like he is a known dude in that area. And, you know, having 
a bunch of those types of guys on your football staff does matter, no doubt. Um, so yeah, I mean, wh- what are your thoughts just on the recruiting impact maybe he's, he's having or has had or, or hasn't had, or what does it mean in general for recruiting? Well, I, I mean, I haven't had a recruit tell me that the reason why they're, they're headed to Miami so far is Telly Lockett. Um, right. I, I do think that can will probably change at some point down the line. I mean, these off-the-field staffer recruiting guys are extremely valuable. Uh, I, I wrote about Cameron Kitchens, his recruitment, you know, Cameron's father like reached out to me right away and was like, hey, you, you got to make sure you give Demarcus Van Dyke some credit. Uh, you hear that all the time with, with, with David Cooney and other guys. So th- those guys are vital. I just think it's going to be a little while before Telly really um, can can get it going in, in terms of building those relationships. And I think it's probably going to need some some visits to take place. But no, this is this is a big ha- a big addition in my eyes. I mean, he's like a position. He's been a position coach uh, at Power Five schools, and, and you know he's he's in your building. His son is actually playing at Miami Northwestern. Um, that also means that uh, Telly can pretty much attend any Miami Northwestern event he wants. Right. Um, so that, that, that's big, and I don't think anyone's actually brought that up. So I would uh, say maybe the biggest recruiting impact having him at Miami, you know, honestly is just pulling him away from Florida State. And who knows? It, I mean, it's probably not Miami pulling him away, but, you know, Florida State decided to not retain him. Uh, you know, and I think we're seeing, look, this is a tough time to recruit, right? Uh, you have to recruit locally in a lot of ways. And Florida State has a new coaching staff, a coaching staff that frankly doesn't have many ties in the state of Florida on the recruiting trail. And so, you know, them not having a Tully Lockett on their staff is definitely unquestionably hurting their ability to recruit, you know, Dade County. Um, So I think that's maybe where the biggest impact is, Uh, you know, more so, I guess, playing defense in a way, if you want to call it that. But, you know, look, having a guy like Talia Lockett on your staff as an analyst is a huge deal, in my opinion. That's a big win by Manny Diaz. And, you know, another example of of the great moves he's made this offseason. And what's funny is like that's probably like number 10 on the list uh, previous yeah. off seasons. That's like number one or number two. Um, quick break. Other side, way more recruiting stuff. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices... Well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, David, we are back. Um, we've gone at roughly like 15, 20 minutes without even mentioning. Leonard Taylor, the five-star defensive tackle out of Miami Palmetto, he announced this week that he is making a commitment on August 6th. The plan is to do that over a live stream on CBS um, HQ, which is a free online streaming service that's available on all uh, mobile devices. Um, how to plug that in there for, cool. for, the, for the bosses. Uh, it's down to two schools, Miami and Florida. Um, yeah. And it's sounding more and more, or I should say, you know, I, it, 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 it appears that there's, there's a strong possibility that, that Miami could be the pick. Crazy. Tell me, just from what you're understanding, how much of this situation is it, you know, the, the pandemic, guys not being able to, visit other schools slash wanting to stay close to home during this type of situation? Did Florida mess things up uh, with Leonard Taylor in any way? Is Miami, you know, just flat out doing a good job recruiting, period, these guys uh, during this time? What would you say are the reasons why, my, you know, Miami's in this position? I think it's a combination uh, of a lot of things. And, you know, on, on Thursday, I, I wrote a recruiting insider for our VIP subscribers. Um, and I kind of outlined where I, I thought things stand. So I'm not going to you know, give away all the free, free sure. juice, juice and whatnot. But uh, the ability for prospects not to visit other schools, I think is really helping Miami. Um, I think Miami has also been a little bit more progressive um, in terms of trying to hone in and develop relationships um, virtually uh, w- with meetings and whatnot. You know, some schools are doing these virtual tours. I think Miami is just more of like FaceTime, talking with the parents. I, I think really I- actually talking with mom and dad, uh, especially yeah. in Leonard's case, ha- has been a, a difference. And, and Miami's, w- what they're selling right now is, you know, they're, they're selling early playing time that's available I think we're also so far separated from the disaster of the end to 2019. I mean, like that feels like it was forever ago. And, and, and I, I don't yeah. know, my Manny's just done a great, great job of, of, of flipping the script. And it seems like this pandemic kind of left the door open with some of the bigger guys and it allowed Miami to sink those teeth in. And, you know, right now it, it seems like they have a real fighting chance to get Leonard Taylor. Taylor. Now there's still three three weeks to go before uh, a decision is made, man. But right. I mean, I'll be honest. Like if two three months ago, I, I would have said no way. I mean, F- Leonard Taylor is all all Florida. Like that's where I thought he was going. I mean, my crystal ball confidence score was on an eight. I would have been shocked if he uh, had put Miami in his final two because I thought like Tennessee was was definitely in there. I, th- I thought I honestly thought he had a better relationship with some of those guys in Knoxville than he did at Miami, but they've been able to turn things around. And um, if they get him in the boat, it, it's, it has a potential to 
cause a chain reaction and, and these final spots Miami has uh, aren't just going to be filled with anybody's they're going to be filled with, yeah. with with dudes let me ask you that so you know how much do you believe in momentum and recruiting and you know because I think up to this point Miami's done a good job of generating some momentum uh, you know landing some local four stars since June um, you know has that opened Leonard Taylor's eyes to Miami do you think and then also on the flip side if Leonard Taylor does commit to Miami hypothetically um, what type of momentum could that generate for Miami you know chasing other guys with Leonard Taylor in the class oh South Florida is unique in itself I think and, and, and that's just because Football is so ingrained into the culture down here from, from the youth to the high school ranks. Like all the kids know each other. They, they know who they are. Uh, they grow up playing in the parks. Uh, they have a general relative idea. Um, they hang out. I mean, there's the camps. There's the off-season stuff. It's, it's not like other parts of the country. Uh, right. So I, I think when they see some of these other kids making the decision, it, it makes it a little bit easier to them. Uh, I also think you got to keep in mind and – you know, Miami doesn't have a t- like a ton of Palmetto kids in in um, its current locker room. I actually I can't even think of one right yeah. now. But you know, Le- Leonard Taylor started his career off at Southridge, and Miami's got Southridge kids. So I, I think that certainly is helping. Um, and and kids want to play. Kids kids want to play with other good kids. Right. Uh, and, and you know, if you follow recruiting from a, a national landscape, like, or if you're like me and like your timeline has recruits from all over the country, like you see these like quote unquote class ambassadors at, let's take a, a school like Notre Dame, for example, you know, so you got this kid in, in, in Texas and he'll be recruiting a kid in Washington to, to meet up in, in the Indiana. Like, yeah, that that's fine. It's, it's all virtual. And I'm sure, I'm sure that that helps a little bit, but I think it's different in South Florida where it's like, no, I actually know who this kid is. Like, we're just going to stay here in this area. It's like, I think it's a different type of um, relationship. So I think that is uh, definitely playing a factor w- w- with Leonard Taylor. I, I think the, like I said, the playing time that's available. Uh, I also think Miami's defensive scheme is a lot more yeah. friendly um, you know, it's it's a four three. Like if I'm right. a if I'm a deep, if I'm a pass rushing defensive tackle, I don't know if I want to play in a three four where I'm eating blocks. So uh, and and Gervin Dexter is who the Gators just signed a, a five star uh, in the previous cycle. Who I absolutely love. Like I I've been high on that kid for sure. the longest time, and I think there's maybe a little bit of, of that. If you're Leonard Taylor, you look and you go, oh, you know, I want to play as a freshman. I know this kid's ranked that high. Um, so that's that's part of it, and. To answer the second part of your question, yeah, I mean, if Miami were to get Leonard Taylor in, in the boat, uh, I've heard from from a number of people that they think that's going to help them with the rest of the kids at Palmetto. You know, uh, Brashard yeah. Smith, the the speedy slot receiver, four four speed. He he's their previous Florida commit. Miami wants him, uh, and then maybe they they chip away at, at, and find some footing with five star corner Jason Marshall, who it seems like. Uh, right now, Miami's in a better spot with him than than Corey Collier, and I mean Collier is very talented defensive back. I think he's probably more of a safety. And yeah. I mean, if you if you know anything about Miami football, like that is like the last thing I think Miami needs right now is a safety. So uh, I, I don't think they would turn Corey Collier down. But if right. they could pick one to pair with Leonard Taylor, it would be Jason Marshall. Tell me this: How good, in your opinion, like how big of a deal is? If my if he picks Miami, if Leonard Taylor picks Miami, 
how big of a deal is that? Because, you know, fans will look at the rankings and he's a five-star and you and I see a bunch of guys and we have our own opinions. We'll see guys from around the country that are ranked five stars and we'll be like, yeah, I don't really see it. (laughs) You know, if, if he was in South Florida, would he be ranked this high? Yada, yada, yada. So Leonard Taylor, how legit of a player is he really? Okay. I'm going to, I'll say this. I'm confident he is a five-star. Do I think he's the number four player in the country? I don't know. Maybe that's high compared to other cycles, but I'll say this. Like, I think he, I feel better about him, what we know about him, than maybe some of the other guys that are, are ranked ahead of him. Um, like, I think he's legitimately a stud. Uh, I love his, his frame. I, I know when someone texted us. I was in the same group chat as you and said that one SEC school wasn't excited about his body. And like, I love it. Like he, he is not, he is nowhere near tapped out um, to me. Like he's only going to turn into a a, a monster. Like I I love the fact that he doesn't have like a, a big belly or, or anything like that. And he's really not defined right now because he's, he's a monster, man. Like he is lightning fast with his hands, a a former basketball player played some AAU at at some point. So I think he's unique in that sense. Like he's got great balance. Um, I, I just think he would, put up monster numbers uh in in Miami system when I look at a guy like him I think okay that's a guy who has a chance to play in the NFL like you see how he moves and you sit there and watch could I see this guy running a 40-yard dash at the NFL combine yeah absolutely I probably could so I think he would be one of the biggest gets for Miami uh in in all my years covering uh this this program I think too just one thing I think about you know, and again, there's a long way to go. He's not committed to Miami, et cetera. But if Miami were to get him, you know, in the future, pairing a guy like him next to Jared Harrison Hunt oh, yeah. as your 4-3 D tackles, like those two guys have similar skill sets. I think, you know, Leonard Taylor is more advanced at the same stage, but both super athlete, former basketball players, um, you know, essentially – you'd have two RJ McIntoshes uh, on your defense at the same time. So well, it, it would be exciting. It's funny you mentioned Gerard Harrison Hunt, and it, it's unfortunate. I don't know if it's unfortunate, but like me and you have seen Gerard Harrison Hunt like kind of move in those open practices. Yeah. And like I know the average fan or, or the average listener hasn't seen them. Uh, and like I think he got like a few snaps against Bethune-Cookman. I mean, I don't know who was watching right. at that point, but – like, if you see how Gerard Harrison Hunt moves, you'd be like, wow, that's pretty impressive. And it's like, all right, well, that's like Leonard Taylor light right. in, in terms of like, okay, like that's, you know, that's, I think he was a three-star recruit. Now, now take that yeah. version and give you a five-star version and you'd be like, okay, wow. Um, yes. So, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, and again, still a ways to go, but it seems like Miami has definitely trended up. And like I said, I mean, there was a, there was a time when I thought absolutely no way. Um, yeah. And then I was going through photos the other night, uh, from Leonard Taylor last spring in his spring jamboree. And he was, he was wearing the UM gloves and then it kind of clicked in my head. I, I remember, you know, at, at some point really early on when I was first introduced to Leonard Taylor, like this kid wants to be at Miami. That's what someone had told me. Um, so I, I think Miami's just got to give him a, give him a reason to come and, We'll, we'll see. I mean, again, haven't changed the crystal ball. You can, you can read about kind of the latest uh, on the site, but definitely yeah. one to track. Yeah. You guys, if 
This will be fun to follow. I would recommend going VIP here, you know, giving us a shot over the next month because Andrew's going to be all over it. You know, like you said, three weeks to go, uh, you know, recruiting at the, you know, in the final stages, there's plenty of twists and turns. So this will be interesting. I'll say this too. Um, you know, typically, generally speaking, when Miami has competed for championships, they've had two positions on point. Number one, the quarterback um, is good to great. And then number two, on defense, they have a game wrecking defensive tackle. Um, so, you know, landing a guy like Leonard Taylor uh, could potentially fill that type of role for, you know, Miami getting to that point. Uh, where maybe they're competing for for real things so it's a big deal uh, that Miami's definitely in this one um one more recruit we should probably discuss before uh we get out of here Jabari Ishmal another South Florida kid uh pass rusher six five two hundred ten pound frame at Miami Columbus he or I should say I mean I I put in a a crystal ball pick uh this week for him Uh, I um anticipating an announcement or some type of decision to come from him here I don't know over the next couple of days I mean he hasn't put a date out there but I I I wouldn't be surprised if basically what I'm saying is I wouldn't be surprised if he's in in Miami's commit list by uh early next week David what do you have you seen Jabari at play because he's a guy that Uh, I haven't yeah what do you first thoughts on the film yeah just obviously the the thing that stands out is his length right so he looks on film all of 6'5 to me um, and, you know, long wingspan. So he definitely checks those boxes that Miami wants in their edge guys. Um, definitely athletic enough. On film, he, he's definitely a guy that will, uh, you know, flourish in a strength and conditioning program. So, you know, look, you look at the job Miami's done at recruiting defensive ends, right? They, they stack talent there, which allows them to redshirt guys. And, you know, in the long run, that should be the goal, quite frankly, at all your positions for the most part. Um, and, and at defensive end, they got that going on. And that benefits not only Miami, the program, but also the players, in my opinion. So I think just from watching his film, he's a guy that will redshirt, get bigger, get stronger, get a little twitchier you know, in the strength program and, you know, in two, two years or so in Miami, you could potentially have a monster on your hands if, if he dedicates himself and works hard in that program. What are your thoughts on him? No, I think you, you hit, hit on a lot of different things. Um, I guess if you had to maybe compare him to someone on the current roster and this is again, I mean, we, Cam Williams is someone that would come to mind. Um, you know, and, that's not fair, but to the average listener, I mean, they haven't really seen much of, of Cam Williams. Right. Uh, I, I did his evaluation on, on his two four seven sports profile. I, I I compared him to Alex McAllister, who was a was a former defensive end for the Gators, kind of like a, a linebacker. Um, I think he's currently on the on the Washington Redskins now, but he was another lean guy. And you're absolutely right about that. Probably going to need a year in the strength program. And well, guess what? His dad is an assistant uh, strength coach, so. Um, yeah, so at, with, with the hurricane, so yeah, I, I think you'd be a, a, a big get and, um, you know, Miami can, is, is he as good as Chance Williams? Probably not, but this is still, 
a pretty good edge rusher. And if you take a step yeah. back and look just kind of across the state, like there is not a lot of those available. Um, no. And I'm really surprised that, uh, to be honest, Florida hasn't really tried to get involved in this recruitment. And, and maybe they have. I mean, I, I know Oregon is a school that I keep hearing, but it's not a deep year for kind of edge players. So uh, Jabari, I think, would be a good get. And again, you're maybe playing a little defense, keeping him from going to one of your rivals. Do you know, like, is he – I'm putting you on the spot, but does he know, like, Leonard Taylor, the Palmetto crew? Is he – I mean, all these guys know each other, I guess, but are they tight? Like, is there any momentum there in, from what you know, or, or do you not know, I guess? Uh, I, I don't think – I mean, Jabari's one of the more quiet guys, okay. so I, I don't necessarily think, um, you know, that, that would kind of sway anyone else. But, I mean – Miami's commit list could potentially grow to what 18 or, or is it 17 right. and like dude all like all but three of those guys are, are from Miami-Dade or, or Broward counties like that's it's kind of insane if you think about it but I, yes. I guess that's, that's I mean it really is and then two of those guys were actually born in Miami but moved away I mean it's a deep like year. yeah I know and, it, and it's absolutely them kind of delivering not on I, I I don't know if Manny Diaz promised it, but he says that they want to stay local, and it's like, all right, well, they're doing that. What does if if Jabari uh, jumps in the boat soon? Does that impact? How does that impact the rest of the edge rush class? In your opinion, like, are they done, or would they keep taking swings at other guys? Oh, I I I don't think they're done. I think they're okay. gonna. I think Thomas Davis is still absolutely a, a name to know. I, I know there's for some reason some fans have already passed on him, but yeah. I, I think they're going to take one more edge rusher, and I think it would preferably be uh, Thomas Davis, who's set to make a commitment uh, on, on August 24th. You know, he's the, the three-star linebacker, edge, defensive end um, out of Valdosta, the Valdosta area. And I, I know we've discussed him at length in the past and, yeah. and shared our thoughts and yeah. I, I would still take Thomas Davis. Do you feel the same? Like I, I think the fans are getting, um, you know, star hungry uh, at this stage because the momentum is looking good and the recruiting trajectory is looking good. And Thomas Davis, you know, is a ranked a three-star, which is fine. Uh, but I do think he brings some elite skills that can benefit Miami's defense in the future. I think you always need to stack edge, edge rushers every class, no matter what the next class looks like, because those guys are still a year away and there's no given you could sign a bunch of 2022 guys. So yeah. uh, in my opinion, you take both Jabari Ishmael and Thomas Davis if both won it. Do you agree? I, no, I agree. And I mean – everyone is concerned about the numbers situation. I, I absolutely get it. Sure. I mean, I know things are turning in the right direction, but like, you know, <laughs> it's easy to write every pencil in all these five stars in the, in the mock classes, but like, let's, let's cross that bridge when we get there, you know? Right. Um, and and I, who really knows what's going to happen? I mean, let's say, I, I, I hope this doesn't happen, but if it were to happen, they push the, the season to the spring it's going to, what happens to the 25 man counter? What happens to your 85 man rosters? Because you're going to have high school kids enrolling early or, or school is going to have spots for them. Um, you know, right. that, that 85 is going to have to be expanded. It, 
it's really a bunch of unknowns. And I think that's why everyone's kind of kicking their can down the road and like punting on this, making a decision now, because they don't really want to think about that. Right. And honestly, too, like, again, I think Thomas Davis is good enough to be at Miami for sure. Um, if Miami doesn't take Thomas Davis, there's a chance he goes to Florida State. Is that something you want? Um, you know, because Florida State offered recently. I know when I interviewed him, Florida State wasn't in the mix. He liked, you know, it seemed like South Carolina was probably that second school. Um, but I would assume, you know, in this hypothetical that the Miami fans want, where Miami all of a sudden wants to or is passing on Thomas Davis, you could be pushing him to Florida State in that scenario. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure that's that's a good idea. All right, David, what do you got coming up on uh, the site over the next next few days? Yeah, just uh, you know, churning out stuff, more more recruiting uh, features. I think is is what I'm working on. I want to recommend. So um, you know, I, I'm I'm I've started an Instagram account for the website, twenty four seven canes. So we're having fun over there uh, with, with some content and I want to encourage the listeners to give us a follow over there too. Um, I'm learning my way through Instagram. So, you know, bear with me, I guess, but we're, we're having fun and uh, yeah, give us a follow. And I should say thank you everyone who subscribes and rates the podcast. Thank you big time yes. on, on that. And uh yeah, check out the site. More and more um, VIP coverage will be uh, on deck. Take care, guys. Later. Later.